Welcome to Blaine Christ the King. You are listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at our campus location in Blaine, Washington. Thanks for tuning in. Over the last uh, past weeks, uh, you've been with us. We've been going through a series in 1 Peter called Changed by Hope. Uh, We've been journeying through the book of 1 Peter together. And Peter wrote this book to a group of churches that were in what's now modern-day Turkey. Back then it was called Asia Minor. And he wrote them while they were facing intense pressure and persecution for their faith. Uh, they had, some of them had their homes taken away. Uh, some of them had family that were being taken to jail. Uh, and some were being killed. And so it was just a really intense time. And Peter writes a letter to them that offers hope, that reminds them of their hope. And how he frames the letter is he calls them weary travelers or exiles. But maybe a better translation for our mind is weary travelers, that, they, that this world is not their home. It's not their home, that they have an inheritance that's, that's uh, set up for them to look forward to with Jesus that cannot be taken away. And today for us, we have that same hope offered to us. When we believe in Jesus, we have a grace and an eternal inheritance that, that nobody can take out of our hands, that nobody can snatch away. And it's something that changes everything about how we live on this earth. And so today, as we turn the page, we're going to be talking about how our hope causes us to honor other people. We're going to talk about how we have a hope that honors Um, We tend to honor people at the end of something. Have you ever noticed that? We tend to honor people at the end of something. Maybe it's the end of a sports season. Um, It's the end of uh, work year or school year. Um, It could be at the end of a career. You have a big retirement party. And, of course, we always honor people at the end of a life, right? We gather gather together in, in those moments, and we show honor. Um, sometimes it's hard to show honor. Uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I was on a JV basketball team that won zero games. We were terrible. I was on this terrible, terrible basketball team. First game of the season, we lost 63 to 17. That <laughs> we were that bad. Um, I and I will never forget that score. By the way, it's just etched in my brain. It's almost been, almost, no, I don't know if it's been 20 years, almost. And it's, but even though we stunk, they still threw an award ceremony for us, which is, that is the most millennial thing you could possibly do. <laughs> it's to, hey, you had a terrible season, let's give you a trophy, right? Make jokes about that. Um, but the coaches got together and they made up awards for us. I got most improved, which was sort of like sort of like a backhanded compliment. It's like, hey, thanks for only stinking half of the season, you know? And then thanks for pulling it together a little bit at the end. But it wasn't as bad as my friend Wyatt, who, who didn't want to be at, on the team at all. And we had to beg Wyatt to be on the team just to have a team. Um, we had six guys on our team, by the way. Uh, one sub. So Wyatt got most inspiring. <laughs> Which is like, hey, A for effort, man. (laughs) Thanks for showing up. Um, But there are times when it's hard to show honor. Like, why would you throw a party for a zero-win team? Um, 
but it can be more seriously it can be hard to honor people sometimes because we don't earn it all the time we don't always earn honor uh we often see we often have to deal with the failures of other people right and it's hard to show honor in those moments um, you know, there are times where we are affected by the, the weaknesses of other people, whether that be our boss, our coworkers, our spouse, our leaders, definitely not our pastor, but, <laughs> um, but, you know, it can be like trying to put a positive spin on a zero-win season. And we also have people in life who've seriously wronged us, who've seriously caused us hurt. So how are we supposed to honor those people? As, as God calls us to honor. Well, we're going to find out today as we look in this letter. Peter is making this connection between living for our hope and showing honor to others. You know, when we live in the security and grace of Jesus, that causes, gives us the ability to show honor even when we don't think we could. So we're going to see this as we read First Peter two thirteen through 17. It says, Be subject for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God honor the emperor. We're going to talk today, we're going to focus on the idea of honoring everyone. Peter starts this section, he calls us to be subject to every human institution. The literal translation is like every human creation. Because in these, these structures and all these things, God has actually established those things for us. And so we aren't supposed to live as removed citizens of our society but highly engaged and highly disciplined and respectable citizens within our society. So he starts at that huge level of relationships where we show honor, and he works his way down into even our most intimate relationships. And we're going to try to cover the whole gamut today. It's, it might be a little, a little crazy. Um, but here's the big idea that we're going to unwrap today. Um, our hope empowers us to honor everyone even those we couldn't otherwise. Now, you might look at that and be like, dude, that is impossible. Like, there are people that I just can't honor. There are people, that names that come to mind that I, I cannot see any way I could possibly honor that person. But when you hear that, that phrase, honor everyone, we need to look at, like, what that, what that means. Because we all have those people. We all have people that we're at odds with. Also, this passage references governors and emperors, and it's like, oh, man. When I saw that, I was like, I really don't want to go there this week. Uh, <laughs> I was like, how am I going to address that? But we will actually get to that a little bit later. But in the scope of our lives, there are people that are really, really difficult to honor. There are work environments where it's really tough to show honor. I've worked in places that you could describe as a toxic work environment. Maybe you have too. You know, places where, where there's so much tension, you could like cut it with a knife. You know, people not getting along, people um, getting after each other. You know, when, you, when you're in an environment like that, it, it drains your soul. <laughs> it's exhausting to be in an environment like that. And that's why people don't last in environments where there's not honor. 
And that said, we all have to look inside first. We have to look at our own failure when it comes to showing honor. We all have our own failures. I know I do. I know there's things that I've said about people that I'd never say to people. And I think we're all there as well. There's, there's times where I've had to ask forgiveness for things that I've said about people. Because the truth is, is that words carry tremendous power. Words carry tremendous power. Or If you look back in the book of James, he talks about how our tongue is a fire. Just look at how James describes this. He doesn't hold back anything. This is James 3, 5. He says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Ooh, man. It doesn't hold back. Um, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Our words have tremendous power and tremendous potential to create damage. Really, our tongue is the ultimate test of our self-control as humans. It's the ultimate test. With it, we bless God, and then later we can be yelling at, at someone. L- with it, we can, we can honor, so- honor God in one moment and dishonor someone in the next moment. Our tongue really has the ability to destroy lives including our own lives. I mean, you could look at the careers that have been destroyed recently by social media. You know, our tongue has the ability to destroy lives. And when I thought of this idea and thought of the tongue as a fire and how it relates to us, I thought, <laughs> I, I thought of the word spew. <laughs> like, we all spew sometimes. And as weary travelers, we need to be careful about spewing. And by spewing, I mean, like, running our mouth or spewing negativity, or spewing um, contempt. You know, I know there's other like definitions for spew, um, but but this is the one that I'm I'm landing on. You know, we can spew about other people and really get in trouble. You know, if this was a fourth grade assembly, the slogan would be "Think it through, don't spew." Okay, that's what it would be. That's what I came up with. If I ever do this at the elementary school, but. When we spew about others, if, if we're spewing about others and what they've done to us and how they've wronged us, are our eyes really fixed on Jesus? Are our eyes really fixed on Jesus? Are we focused on the grace that we've received? Are we focused on the life that we received if we're, if we're always spewing about other people? Are we really walking in the marvelous light that God gives us? No. The short answer is No. We're totally focused on the here and now. We're totally focused on our hurt, our pain. And we're, we're spewing out of that. And, and through that, we carelessly start fires in our lives. You know, right now, our world offers more opportunities to spew than ever. We all have a platform we can spew on. We have social media, text messaging, tons of technology. And so you see this all throughout. It's pervasive in our culture today. 
And sometimes being able to have that platform is a really good thing, but it can also be a really, really dangerous thing. Um, because this co we, we live in a culture that is constantly spewing. Honor doesn't spew. Honor doesn't spew. Honor is what it looks like to have a tamed tongue, to have a tongue that's under control, one that doesn't start fires or hurt people. So instead of spewing, let's look a little closer as what it means to honor people. And this is sort of the question that I'm going to ask today and, and answer. Uh, it's this, is what does it look like for us? What does it look like for weary travelers who are focused on Jesus to honor other people? What does it look like for us to honor other people? And the first thing we do is we uphold their worth. Um, the word that Peter uses for honor is this word tamao, which is fun to say. And it means to value or to fix a price on something. It's also related to the word precious. It's to, it's to value or fix a price on something or, or to hold as precious. And if we understand people in light of the gospel, we understand that everybody is extremely valuable and precious to God. We understand that everyone is extremely valuable and precious to God. Every person is God's own creation. Every person is made in the likeness of God. And God loves everyone deeply. In fact, God loves people deeply so much he was willing to sacrifice his own son to be reconnected to them. So people are precious to God. While we are all flawed and, and we have our issues and we really we don't deserve life, God gives it anyways. You know, he wants all people to be restored in relationship with him. He wants all people to be, be forgiven of their sins and have this hope that we confess. He wants people to have a hope that really, really lasts in their lives. You know, we've talked before about how God doesn't see people as good and bad, but he sees people as lost and found. And that's completely true. He wants us as his weary travelers to get on board with that. Do, are we seeing people in terms of good and bad, or are, we seeing, or, are we, or are we seeing people as God sees them as lost or found? Thanks. <laughs> I'm just pausing. All right, sir. Uh, just need to take an air break here. Um, but, uh, but um, you know, knowing that we've received something great allows us to give something great to other people. Knowing that we've received grace allows us to extend grace. You might remember a couple weeks back, Peter said to set your hope fully on the grace that you're to receive. Set your, set your hope fully on that, that grace that you'll receive. Consider where you're headed before you start slamming other people. We've been given life through this grace. So if you want to look at simply what is this grace, grace is, is just being treated better than you deserve. Grace is being treated better than you deserve. We don't deserve life, but Jesus gives it anyway. I need an iPad for Christmas so that I can, like, easily flip here. Uh, <laughs> uh, hint, hint. No, kidding. Sorry. Take the, uh, but uh, it's grace that is supposed to extend through us to other people. If we are truly following Jesus, we're supposed to treat people better than they deserve. 
And that doesn't mean that we become doormats, okay? That doesn't mean that we become doormats. But what it means is that we don't return spew for spew. We don't match the volume of what's going on around us. We deal with others. We deal with conflict with the love and grace of Jesus. Because it's grace that transforms people. When I was in seminary, I had a friend from Rwanda uh, named Anna. And Anna lived through the Rwandan genocide of 1994. I don't know if you remember that. Um, But basically, there was this government-backed genocide where the government was telling one tribe, if you don't go out and kill your neighbors of another tribe, we're going to kill your family. And so what it created was this huge mass murder. And uh, it's just unimaginable. People fled the country in droves. It was like the biggest humanit- one of the biggest humanitarian crises of our time. And she said that after everything went down, there was this time of massive forgiveness in the church. That God brought reconciliation to the Rwandan people that had literally been killing each other. And the image she gave is like, imagine that there was one family sitting close to another family who had actually killed members of that other family. It was just amazing uh, forgiveness, amazing grace. It's like, how could that even happen? You know, how could that even, how could that grace be shown? How could you sit close to someone who had caused you so much grief and so much pain? The only way that can happen is through God. Like, that is the only way that can happen. Because our hope rehumanizes people. Our hope rehumanizes people. It allows us to see even the hardest people to love under the light of God's love for them. Um, these Rwandan Christians could have chosen to view these people who had killed family members as monsters, and they would have every right to do that. But instead, they, they sought Jesus, and because of that, they were able to extend grace to these other people. It didn't mean that they became best friends, but it meant that they were able to even show honor to those people. And this leads us into the next point, is that we honor people by seeking peace rather than power in relationships. That we of all people should be focused on seeking peace rather than power in relationships. You know, think of this Rwandan church they had this power of unforgiveness that they could have held over these other people's heads. And for some crazy reason, they chose to give grace. You know, I, probably a lot of us would have gone in another direction, but God gave them the power in that moment to extend grace, and it transformed this community. God wants his weary travelers to live at peace with others. Paul tells us in Romans 12, 8, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So we're supposed to honor everyone, and as far as we can, as much as we can, live at peace with everyone. It's not always possible, but when we can, live at peace with everyone. We are the ones called to bring peace into chaos. I'm sure there's a, a, a part of your life that feels like chaos, or there's people that you're around that just, it, it's, it's a chaotic situation. Um, you know, like, there's, uh, we're the ones in those situations who are called to bring peace. We are the ones who have, we have our peace elsewhere. We have amazing security in Jesus, and that leads us into creating peace 
in every situation. So guys, think today. Are there situations in your life that need peace? Are there people in your life that, that need you to take the first step and reach out towards reconciliation? Is there unforgiveness that you're hanging on to that, that you need to address? And I would encourage you to, to write that name down if you're taking notes this morning and think about and pray about, God, how would you like me to extend peace to this person? I think in that, if we, if we really think about it, we all have some work to do. Um, but I know that God is a healer and God can heal even some of the most difficult relationships. The last way that we honor people is that we serve like Jesus served us. This is what it all comes down to. We have this great example, this great model in Jesus. We have, we have this model in Jesus of being God, yet stooping down and serving everyone. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, is that God became man. That God was willing to, to Jesus, God's own son, was leaving, willing to leave his throne to be born even born in a manger. Like he was willing to serve to that degree. Um, Peter says that, that we have in Christ all the freedom in the world. We've been given all the freedom in the world in Christ, but we're not supposed to use it to, to cover up our own evil, he says, but we're supposed to live as servants of God. So our service to other people, our, ser- our ability to serve other people comes out of a place where we're serving God. As Peter goes on, you know, he talks about this in in, uh, 1 Peter 2.20. He says, But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have been returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Jesus served. Jesus served his enemies. He came into a world that hated him. He came into a world that wanted to kill him, and he died on the cross in faith, knowing that some would choose to follow him. Jesus treated us way, way better than we deserve. Way, way better than we deserve. He loved us so much, he, he was willing to die for us. He was willing to go through the pain of life to die for us. And this is the Jesus we follow. We follow a Jesus that serves us, that stoops down and washes our feet, no matter how dirty they are. You know, Jesus gave um, warning after warning that the life he's calling his disciples to is one of surrender, is one of sacrifice. It's one that will involve some pain. Uh, It's one that will cost us everything. And he says this in Luke 9. He says, if anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's the root of all of this, of all of our postures that we're called to this life of following Jesus, of serving others. 
And just like Jesus surrendered his life for us, we also surrender our lives for other people. Um, I love what Rick McKinley says about this because I think he just nails right where we're at. He just, we, he gets it so right. He says, I wanted to cling to one part of the gospel, his death for me. I don't want to grapple with the implications of my death in him. You know, we, we want the, the first part of the gospel, which is to come in and belong, but then that second part where we become a disciple is actually surrendering our life, the process of giving our life every day to Jesus, back to God. You know, and one of the implications of, of dying in him is that we honor everyone. We see the worth in everyone. We seek peace with everyone, even when it hurts. And ultimately, our ability to honor flows out of that daily choice. Will I surrender to Jesus today? When you wake up in the morning, will I surrender this to Jesus today? It's interesting that God, uh, or that Peter applied this high call, this Christ-like call, and then he talks about where the rubber meets the road. He, he talked about three specific relationships that where I think it's, it can be really hard to show honor sometimes. He addresses three relationships that, um, that we have um, where it, is, it might be the hardest place in our lives to show honor. And because of our time constraint, I'm not going to have justice to, do, you know, to cover everything. So if you want to meet for coffee or talk about it in small group, like, let's do it, okay? Um, but these are the three relationships uh, where Peter said it's, we are most tempted not to show honor. And so where we're called to show honor. And it's, uh, it's governing authorities, employers, and spouses. These are our challenge areas. Can we agree? Is this the list? Is this the challenge area list? Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like opening a can of worms right now. So this is going to be fun. Have grace on me. I'm a young pastor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. That's good, guys. You got, saw the list. That's right. Um, uh, <laughs> But governing authorities, right? Um, it can be hard to show honor to governing authorities. We live in a culture today that is ideology, ideologically like super polar opposite. Like we have polar opposites uh, on the ideological spectrum today. And so because of this and because of all of the resources we have, because of all the technology we have, uh, we are, people are spewing like never before. <laughs> And uh, it can be tempting to join in on that. It can be tempting to get drawn in on that because it's in our face all the time. But don't forget that we are called to be a people of honor. We are called to be a people that show, Jesus, uh, show people the heart of Jesus, show people the way to peace. And what Peter is really asking us to do here, it's, 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 uh, it's pretty simple. Just live within the law. Like, that's what he's asking us to do. Be a model citizen. Be someone that people can respect. Be a person that people listen to because of the way that you live your life. Like, that is what Peter is calling us to. Be, be a people that values others. Be a people that create peace in chaos. That's what he's calling us to. Um, now, I want to say, too, that honoring governing authorities does not mean we stop honoring our higher authority in, in, in God. We have a higher kingdom that we're accountable to. 
And uh, Peter, the guy who actually wrote this, actually disobeyed local authorities when they told him to stop preaching. When they told him to stop talking about Jesus, um, Peter said he could not stop. He had an obligation to keep going. And so there are times when the kingdoms don't match up. And in that time, we choose the kingdom of Jesus. So that's, okay, got that one out of the way. All right. Like I said, coffee this week, if you want. Um, Better than an email. Uh, No. Um, But the next one is employers. Um, Employers. Just like we're called to be honorable citizens, we're also called to be honorable employees. He uses the language of slave and, or servant and master. And back then, it's, it was like that was the most common form of employment. And it wasn't like the oppressive system that we think I- in our head. It's like, I'm going to work for you for a while until I earn, you know, my, my freedom. Um, but, yeah, the, uh, the example is, um, is like employer-employee. Um, you know, it can be hard to honor our employer sometimes. We spend most of our our week, a lot of us, in our work environment. We work with people who are difficult. Um, We uh, and and it can be easy to uh, (coughs) to just kind of get into a culture where we are dishonoring people or where people are spewing. And again, God would call us to live above that line, to live above it. when we become a person of peace in our workplace, when we become a person who values other people in our workplace, uh, that's a huge kingdom win. If everybody else in your workplace isn't a safe person and you are, like that is a huge win. God can use you. Um, you can become a rock for others whose lives are falling apart. You know, at some point, all of us work in places that we don't want to work. <laughs> All of us work in places that we don't like. And I would just encourage you in the, that if you're in that situation, don't give up. Don't give up, but pray. Seek God and pray for your employer. Pray for your work environment. Pray that God would give you the strength to, uh, to speak into situations at work. So that's employers. And the last one is spouses. And again, this could be a series. We could do like six weeks on this. And I, I chose to do two minutes. So I was like really strategic. Um, but, you know, we've gone from like, like the up here governing authorities down to our most intimate relationship. And that's our relationship with our spouse. That's the final relationship that Peter talks about. Because marriage, if you're married, that's your primary relationship here on earth. That's what you're called to take care of more than anything else. Before you start worrying about employers or governing authorities, like work on honor with your spouse. And uh, the reason is we, we have to uphold our spouse's honor. Uh, we have to fight for peace in our household more than anything else, more than any other situation. Um, I had a pastor that I respect a lot tell me one time, you know, um, before I go out and care for others, I make sure that me and my wife are okay. Like, I don't leave the house. I, I don't know why I tear up when I hear this, but um, I don't leave the house without making sure that there's peace in my house. I never storm out. And that's just something I really respect and, and want to uh, want to work towards. Is like, I never leave the house when things are a mess at home. Um, in, in this, in this idea of showing honor, Peter gives specific instructions to wives and to husbands. And so I'm just going <laughs> to gloss over this. Uh, no. Um, for wives, 
Uh, he tells them to operate in your marriage with respect and purity. Um, he asks God to honor, you can honor, or sorry, he asks God. The way God asks wives to honor their spouses is to operate in respect and purity. So that means not to tear down your husband when maybe he deserves it. Um, you know, the way that you empower your husband to make changes is, is by showing respect, is by how you model a relationship with Jesus. And that's what Peter is saying. And here's the, you know, I think I need to just say this disclaimer here. This does not mean stay in an abusive situation. It does not mean that. Um, because you are valuable to God. Um, God is not asking you to stay in harm's way. That's not what honor means. He's saying, if at all possible, be at peace. If it's possible. It might not always be possible. Um, so on the flip side, he, then Peter addresses husbands. And he says, we empower by our wives by cherishing them. Peter says to live with your wives in an understanding way. So what does that mean? It means, husbands, your wife is not someone you work with. Your, your wife is, is, is one flesh with you. She's you. And because of that, you can't stop listening. You can't just get frustrated and walk off. You have to engage. You have to bring peace to your household. And that's super challenging for husbands. But this is where the, maybe, maybe the, um, w one of the things that got me as I read through this is that Peter actually warns them if they don't honor their wives, that their prayers can actually be hindered. He says their prayers can actually be hindered. It's like God is saying, hey, before you spend time with me, fix things with your wife. It's like, hey, before you come to me, make sure things are good at home. You know, you can't have an awesome relationship with God and a so-so relationship with your wife. He wants all of it. And I know, like, as we get into this stuff, it, it brings up all this emotion and stuff that you might <laughs> get in the car and, like, want to dig out. And so I'm sorry that I just, dro you know, dropped it. And, okay, guys, let's move on. Um, but, uh, you know, you might be totally bummed out right now. <laughs> um, but this, and you might be thinking this. Man, all this stuff is beyond me. And you know what? It is beyond you. It is beyond you, but it's not beyond God in you. God in you <laughs> can allow you to show honor, can restore relationship more than, than anything else. And if you're wondering where to start, fix your eyes on Jesus. If you're wondering, okay, what do I need to do? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Bring the failure of your past and your weakness and place it on his shoulders. Go back to the cross. Don't stew in all the failures and weaknesses of the past. Let those be resolved at the cross and move on. Because he, <laughs> he will change you. He will change you. He will uphold you. Uh, you're going to have to go to him not just now, but every day. He will be changing you every day. We are all in process. And it's when we realize what we have in Jesus is that then we have the security to honor other people, even the most difficult. So I hope this week, the challenge this week, as the uh, as band comes on up, um, the hope this week is that you'll take steps towards honor. Like, what is the name that you wrote down? Would you pray about it this morning? Would you think, like, okay, how can I reach out to that person? I don't know if it'll be this week, but start to think about, like, how can I start to find healing in this relationship? Or how can I start to show peace or bring peace to my work or a chaotic situation that I'm in? How can I bring peace and how can I show honor 
in, in where I'm at today. So let's pray. God, I feel especially challenged this week as we talk about honor. Um, it's not something that we, uh, we talk about a lot. And I think it, it does bring stuff to the surface, Father. So I pray as we sit here this morning and we, we talk about what we have in Christ, God, that you would do work on our hearts this morning, God. Work on us, God, through and through. God, you've called us to honor people. You've called us to love people. And God, sometimes it feels impossible. But Lord, show us what you would have us do, God. Teach us, God. Lord, we are your disciples, Father. And Lord, I would just pray for those who who uh, are, are hurting this morning with something, God. So people who are hurting this morning, Father, I pray that you would wrap your arms around those people. God, the people that are here, God, would you just wrap your arms around all of us, God, and remind us that we are loved. Remind us, God, that we're created in your image. God, that we're your son, your daughter, and no one can take that away from us. Lord, would you shape and change the, who we are this morning, God, would you, and, and in our community, God, would you allow us to be a community that brings peace, a community that brings value, a community that loves other people really, really well? God, would you just do that work throughout our church, God, and start with us, God. Before you change things on the outside, you want to change things inside. So, God, I pray that you would start with us, Lord. God, in Jesus' name. We pray, amen.